Hello, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Indigo. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> Indigo, where no one should go. All right. Hello, and welcome to InfoHors. We are your hosts. I'm Nat. I'm Sam. And today we're putting on our Jordan Peterson hats. Just kidding. We're not as smart as him, and our voices are not like his. Um, today we're going to talk to you about. Mental health. Yeah. Fun. Um, a fun <laughs> Really fun. Um, so we should preface the episode by saying we're not doctors. We're not psychologists. Obviously, but, yeah. But we do have our own experiences and our own stories. And um, we have strong opinions about. Yeah. And you know how much we hate society. So, of course, we're going to talk about society's approach to mental health. Um, jumping right in, though. We should talk about some of the newer um, DSM-5 recognized mental health disorders that you've read recently. So please, Sandra, list them for our audience. Yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting. Like I learned in school when I was in social work uh, about the DSM and the DSM-5 is like the latest edition of, um, I guess it's what psychologists will use. It's kind of their Bible slash manual yeah. and how, they, how to treat patients and diagnose, how to diagnose them, them and everything. Yeah. So... I found a, few, a couple of really, really funny things. These are new mental illnesses mm -hmm. that a person can be diagnosed with. And so I would, uh, so, uh, let's just get into it. So um, there's a condition called social communication disorder. This is an actual thing. Mm -hmm. And this, I, I think I might have this actually because I'm, a I'm so bad at social. You're playing their game, San. I know. I need a drug. I, I need to be on drugs for this. It's called um, beer. Yeah, beer, <laughs> beer and vaping. And oh Lord, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Moving on. <laughs> and another one is disruptive mood dysregulation disorder. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just basically when your moodiness annoys other people. Okay. Because you're, mo you're a moody prick. <laughs> so you're PMSing that day and you've just yeah. pissed everyone. Now it's a legitimate off. condition. <laughs> okay. okay, next one. REM sleep behavior disorder. Okay. So this is when a person who is sleeping and does something bad. Okay. And the fact, and I think this is kind of really scary. If it's recognized mental illness, then you can kind of use it in a court case to, um, justify your, justify actions. your, like your crime to act. Yeah. yeah. And I remember that, uh, reading stories about how this has happened. People have tried to use this sort of mental. It's an excuse. It's a BS of excuse. Of course it is. Okay. Moving yeah. on. This is, <laughs> and a couple more. So conduct, conduct disorder and oppositional defiant disorder. And I think this is just kind of, um, people who are assholes. Now they have, uh, I would say maybe Chris Skye has this. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Is that controversial to say? Whatever this whole episode is. Oh, that's funny. Moving on. <laughs> okay. And one more. This one is not actually recognized by the DSM-5, but it's kind of in the pipeline. Caffeine use disorder. Um, I definitely have that. You have it? Um, I think it's... I think it's if you secretly drink Tim Horton's coffee, you're, you're messed up in the head and you need help. Sorry, dad. You need to be treated. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay. So wait, let's just talk about this for a second. Cause you know, like 
we're not trying to minimize anyone's situation or no, anything. not but at all. This is BS. These things are ridiculous. This is like you woke up and you had a bad day and now you have this mental disorder because everyone was annoyed by your mood. Like what? Yeah. Seriously, that's a real thing? Yeah. And, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but putting some of these words together, yeah. it's like, is this English? Like, like disruptive mood dysregulation disorder. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. I don't know. Imagine like telling somebody like, I have. Imagine, no, imagine being on a first date. I have caffeine use disorder. And saying <laughs> that you have like, you have a condition and you want to warn your date about this. And you, you're like, ah, actually I have disruptive mood dysregulation disorder. And caffeine use disorder. It's not officially <laughs> recognized, but it's in the pipeline. So I hope you're okay with that. But are there any cures to any of this? Like, I don't get it. Like, is there like a drug for caffeine use disorder? Is there like a therapist I can go to? I think it's just a way for for some people to make lots of money, and it's, oh, well, it's yeah. an industry. It's an industry. We'll we'll talk Ment- about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that more. Yeah. But that's that's a good point. So let's move on. So for me, I grew up with Instagram, social media. Like 2011, 2012 was when it really blew up. That was when I was still in high school. Um, I feel like social media and culture has really influenced this kind of acceptance of mental illness in a way that presents it as being trendy. Yeah. And I feel like that's really wrong. Like we're all for acceptance and you know, it's, if you have a mental illness, cool, but has it gone too far? Come on. We know it's gone too far. Yeah. Like, what do you think about this though? Because it's just you grew up in a different generation than me, but you have a, like a preteen son. So what are your thoughts on this? Like, what do you think about the way social media has impacted my generation? Even like looking as an outsider. Well, okay. For one, I'm not on social media enough to, but I know what you're talking about. I can only imagine. And from what I've read about social media is it real, it's really uh, effective at what they want to do. And I think, um, I think life is so good for young people right now, yeah. like um, pre-pandemic, whatever. Yeah. That um, everybody needs a struggle, especially if you're of a certain age. Your oppression points. You need to you need to form an identity, and if you have no, if your world is so dull and boring and unoriginal, then um, you create a problem for you yourself. Can potentially. I'm not discounting people who have actual mental dis. Let's. We're pref- prefacing the whole episode by saying that you already did it. Yeah, we're not minimizing your no. experiences. No. no. If you have a legitimate mental illness, um, Godspeed. But, but okay. But to that point, though, if you have a legitimate mental illness mm-hmm. and social media is glamorizing being sad and depressed and anxious and it's like so cute in like this like pink rainbow font and they're like I'm depressed girl you know (laughs) like that is totally disrespectful to people who are truly genuinely struggling and I think like there's just no way in hell that everyone in the world is depressed and anxious I'm sorry like at what point is it just you have emotions and you're not dealing with them properly like you can't we're not all depressed and anxious yeah but you know what's um sad now is that your friends can't even call you out on your BS anymore. No, no. Because, um, back in the day, I imagine like if someone was sitting there complaining about like, Oh, you know, I'm, I feel like, uh, I can't make it through the day or 
I'm sad and I've been sad for too long. Like, shouldn't... <laughs> Your voice. Uh, <laughs> no, but shouldn't, like, isn't that kind of what family and our friends are there for? to tell you the truth, yeah. You know what, you've been, uh, say something like, you've been kind of moping around for, like, five months now. Like, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, yes. Susan. Yeah. You know what? That's but, a really good point. But you can't do that anymore. No, you can't. And here's the thing. I do that to people. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> and no one likes it. My, my A lot of my friends are millennials. Mm-hmm. I'm not understanding or I'm not patient enough. And I'm sorry, but like tough love was the way I was raised. And yeah. you know what? I'm not perfect, but it seems to have worked out okay. I mean, look at me. I'm an info whore. But it's like not enough parents of millennials I think that's what it is not enough parents were like dude shut up go to school like you're not an angel no you know? I think well I, I think it coincides with the the with the helicopter parenting if your kids are snowflakes and you have to make sure they don't bump their knee yeah then of course you're not going to tell them to the truth you're not going to. You're not going to say get over it and go to school. You're yeah. not. You're not like suck it up. You're not going to. No, absolutely. And it's. I mean, we could actually go on like such a huge tangent here and talk about the fact too, like millennials especially. Like we were the generation of the um, participation award. Right. 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 So it totally makes sense why we're all joining Antifa and dyeing our hair blue now because we think that like the world owes us something. Right. And newsflash, doesn't. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but just like doing like a little more research and stuff, uh, like I, there was a Pew research study in 2019 that found that seven in 10 teens think anxiety and depression are the biggest problems that them and their peers face. Like, I'm sorry, but that has to be BS. Like, I don't think there's, there's no way seven out of 10 teens are clinically depressed and clinically anxious. Like, just because you feel sad and feel anxious, that doesn't mean you are those things. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, that is alarming. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Why aren't we talking about this? This is teens? Yeah, it's saying teens. I d- right. They didn't give an age. Right. Yeah. But to call it, to label it depression, I think that's really awful. Because when you're a teen, you have like an overabundance of these crazy hormones. Totally. Your emo- everyday... It's like the worst day ever, right? Yeah. Your life is over literally every second. Yeah. Like, it's like life sucks. But it, but I just think using these words to define who you are so young is so dangerous. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So moving on. Another thing that's really influenced, I think, um, this sort of glamorization of mental health and why it's become such a trend maybe is like Hollywood. Oh, Yes. Because, so first there was um, Coppola's movie, Virgin Suicides, where it was like all these like young hot sisters who like, sorry, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, they kill themselves. Um, But then, you know, fast forward to 20 something, 2018 or 19 or 17, I don't care. 13 Reasons Why, which was produced by Selena Gomez. Um, the whole show just totally glamorized this like premeditative like suicide attempt. Yeah. And it was like, it's all my friend's fault. I'm going to show them and then I'm going to kill myself. And I'm somehow like this, this like star of the show. Like it's, 
so dangerous. Like imagine letting your influential teen daughter watch this and be like, my friends are this mean to me. This boy doesn't like me. So yeah. maybe I should kill myself. Yeah. And I remember reading there was, I didn't watch it. I don't, yeah, I'm no. too old for that. But I read there was a bit of controversy afterwards with the success of the show and that uh, there was uh, an uptick in uh, kids attempting suicide and yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I had, <clears throat> I have in the notes that like after that show came out, the people Googling yeah. suicides yeah, yeah. went up like exponentially. And yeah. apparently when people like historically, when people do Google those kinds of things, yeah. it actually means they are more likely to commit suicide. Right. I believe. Yeah. So that's really dangerous. I think it's really, I don't know, I think my takeaway from that sort of thing, like the influence of Hollywood is parents, like you really have to be on top of what your kids are watching. Totally. You really do. Also, a lot of people spend a lot of time just talking about themselves and their problems. Yeah. And obviously it's good to get stuff off your chest. It's good to tell your friends, hey, I'm checking in, I'm not feeling so hot today or whatever you you know you're just being open and honest with your yeah. friends but has it gone too far like do we talk about ourselves too much oversharing hell yeah yeah and i don't know when you talk about yourself a lot how do you feel like we, we, let's say too much if you were sharing a, the same story over and over to your friends do you feel good after or like how do you typically feel <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> I feel like a self-centered asshole. Yeah, I don't know. I think I I don't have any thoughts about that. I don't like to. Like, my point is, though, when you talk about yourself too much, it it kind of makes what you're dealing with bigger. It, like, makes it explode. Right. And I just think that it by doing that, you're kind of not moving forward. You're taking, like, a... a couple dozen steps backwards like I just think there needs to be more of a push like yeah get stuff off your chest but don't dwell on it like move on no for sure and I I I know and I think that's the the problem with social media is that you're rewarded for um for for saying and opening up too much right you get likes and you get an outpouring of like support because your followers or friends might feel like they're they, they kind of have to right right and I think, yeah, that's why social media is so dangerous for the million, reason number 1024 yeah. of why social media and the like button and that sort of mechanism is dangerous for kids. Yeah. Um, because you get that kind of um, feedback, negative feedback that you shouldn't really have. Right. No, when, that's, that's a great point. When really, if you're talking in real life with a bunch of your teenage friends and you have a problem, I broke up with, um, Billy, Chris and no, that's bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. okay. No, but you would go to, when I was in high school, you would go to your girlfriends and say, I broke up with blah, blah, blah. Billy you had a big fight, whatever. <laughs> <Stop with that. laughs> Sorry. Okay. No. And they would be like, they would offer support as much as they needed to. And then once. Yeah. And then you move on. You know why? That's what I'm saying though. Because they don't want to fucking hear about it. You going on and on. It's annoying. It is. But you don't have that, that option to say that on social media. You can't comment afterwards 
after the hundredth comment, you can't say, okay, you're getting to be too much, yeah. right? You can't do that. No, but you can do it in person. But well, you actually can't as a millennial. So here's the thing <laughs> you cannot. So let me just talk about this. this is serious. So I have a few single friends. I don't think they like me anymore. <laughs> uh, whatever it is, what it is, but same BS, mm-hmm. same boy, same, whatever, same problem. Mm-hmm. And Here's the thing. This is the point I was trying to make when I asked you like about talking about yourself too much. It's like, okay, you're talking about yourself. You're, you're, you're venting. That's fine. Like you said once. Yeah. But what is your solution? Because a lot of times too, I find I'll offer sage advice. Like I'm married. Like I'm, I'm not a genius. Mm -hmm. I have my own issues Mm -hmm. with my husband, (laughs) but you know, you, you don't, these people don't take my advice. And it's like, well, you're clearly just talking for the sake of talking. You don't want a solution. You want to stay miserable. You want to stay with this idiot boy. And that's what really bugs me. Cause I think it's just so self-centered and it's people just wanting to hear themselves talk kind of like us. Cause we right. have the show and we love right. hearing ourselves. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But, and I want to wrap up this little topic, this yeah, but we have to Side talk about tangent. Harry, Prince Harry first. But yeah, uh, no, for sure. No, yeah. I, I don't want to wrap up the episode. But like um, this specific thing that we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, my thought on that is, I know that different people and different friends have different um, personality types yeah. and uh, and approaches. That's yeah. fine. Totally. And, and like I know some friends are better at um, they're more uh, self aware. So, no, no. Solution focused, yeah. which I think you are. Right. So, and um, I'm, I'm a wallower. If <laughs> and no, and I when someone has a, a is in trouble or whatever, like I don't mind. I can listen to them for hours, for example. And but I also know that that's not the most. That's not, it's not always productive. The, though it's not the most. But I know that for some people they need a little bit. Right. Totally. So, we're coming from different personality types, I think, but we're kind of straying from mental illness in a way. Yeah. We kind of went off on a long tangent, but, but I think it's feeding that though. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a wrong tangent because I do think that when you dwell on stuff, it feeds that sadness. It feeds that's that it keeps you in one place and it's not you we always should be looking forward if we can you know of course that's, that's the point that's the ideal and i mean let's let's talk about prince harry because okay. he's the perfect example of this i have two sources and i'm just going to read you both the headlines prince harry has had too much therapy <laughs> self-obsessed oh. prince harry is the embodiment of someone who has had too much therapy and basically the point that both of these doctors have made in the articles is that he talks about himself too much and he claims victimhood and it's like poor me woe is me and it's like yes I'm with you like I I love to hear about my friends and what's going on in their Mm -hmm. life and I I'm like a bleeding heart I feel for you but at what point is it too much and at what point are you just like staying in victim status it's like move on like pick yourself up by the bootstraps come on yeah like like I think we are on the same page. Yeah. It's just, but, but him, like this, like privileged. I don't know. I think that's more of like her. I think he's a weak person. Yeah. I think he's a uh, not very smart person because he, as soon as he got with, uh, Meghan um, Markle, Meg, 
legs forever. Um, legs for days. Legs for don't, days. Don't you dare miss. I know. Leg her. But like thing? he, <laughs> no. But that's kind of when he he became pussified, right? No, it's that, and probably eats too much soy. But in some ways, he kind of not epitomized, but he represented like he was like the cool, the bad dude, the bad dude. He was masculine, so it seemed. And now, like, what happened? And it's her influence. He's in. He is not a smart person to let someone like her influence him in that way. Totally. And she, I guess, that's an. We could actually. That's a speaks to a whole nother issue though. Like as his wife, shouldn't she be like, okay, you've gotten this off your chest, but let's like move on, honey. Like, let's like, like your life wasn't that bad. Your family has like billions of dollars. Like, I don't know. Like you don't pay rent in a palace. I know, but that speaks to the whole woke culture. It's like a woke sensitive dude who talks about therapy and his suffering is considered well, newsworthy, apparently. No, it's considered what women are supposed to want. A right, sensitive... a sensitive man. That's yeah. a really interesting point. We won't dwell on Prince Harry too much because he sucks. Yeah. Um, moving on, though. Mental health. We've talked about a lot of social stuff, cultural stuff, Prince Harry. Um, but also, can we talk about the fact that there's never really like a natural solution for these diagnoses? Like it's always, here are your drugs... You're on these for life. Actually, you should up your dose. You need this. And I just think it's really alarming because I've had friends who have been diagnosed with depression who take drugs. And I mean, I can't speak to their journey with therapists or anything, but it's like when they forget to take a pill, Mm -hmm. it's like you're like a drug addict. Like they are like in withdrawal. Right. Like it's scary. And right. Well, I don't know anyone who's been on antidepressants successfully and successfully, you know, overcame whatever mental illness or struggle they were. Right. Like it hasn't rectified anything. Not that I can recall. Yeah. Actually, to be honest with you, same. Yeah. Like people, like, I don't know, again, we're not experts on this topic, but I don't know anyone who's taking antidepressants who feels better. Yeah. Like a hundred percent is my point. And this is the thing, like, I'm, we're not anti-medicine. No. But it's like, why are we only throwing drugs at people? Like, and especially women. Yeah. I, I, we have in the notes that it's like, it's like, it's commonly women who are prescribed these medicines. So it's just like, why is there such a push? Like women, especially, we're so hormonal, like all the time we have these cycles. I don't know if you guys have heard right. of them. They're called periods. Like, well, guys don't like to go to the doctor. They don't like to admit they, they, they have a problem. Totally. So good for them. Good for them so, that they're not getting over-medicated. Yeah, but but us chicks, we're like in there like a like a dirty shirt. <laughs> no, I think women women generally want to be more on top of their health, and they right. are the ones who are driving. Like oh, we got to get. Well, and also interestingly enough, women are um, most active on social media, so it yeah. makes sense if we're seeing like, oh, I should you know, take this push to take care of your mental health on social media. Yeah. Well, it makes sense that they would be the ones to go to the doctor. And I don't know. I think a lot of it is self-diagnosis before they actually get to the doctor. (sighs) Yeah. But they go to the doctor and they get their drugs. And so it makes a lot of sense. This is interesting though. One in six American women 
are currently on antidepressants. I believe it. Does that seem a bit explosive, though? I actually kind of believe it. Yeah, yeah. I know, but but do you think this is people who are truly, truly no. suffering from no. depression? Or do you think it's, like, just these doctors prescribing these drugs because they make money off of it? Yeah, like, I, I know that. So, so people's health is being exploited by big pharma yes i i don't think anyone would be surprised about that no i, I think I, you're right i mean look at like all the uh, natural news natural websites that have been censored for years off of google well, especially in covid times like even years before that yeah like they've been actively trying to like censor and destroy there you have to go through a hundred different pages before you get to these natural news or but- alternative Totally. And, yeah. But this is the thing, like, what's the deal with doctors then? Like, are they all just corrupt? Like, I don't get it because you sign up to be a doctor. You go through medical school and invest all this time and you just end up giving these people like, like band-aid solutions, as you said earlier. Like, um, like why, why do you think doctors are pushing drugs so much? It, I know it's money, but, but I, th- I think it's a lot of things. It's not, I don't want to believe that it's just money. I think a lot of doctors, most doctors should get into the profession because they actually want to help people. Right. Yeah, but absolutely. I think, I think, um, and this is for another episode, but I think the whole, um, medical association, like if, uh, their education, the way they're educated mm-hmm. is not, it's not holistic, a holistic approach necessarily. It's not, it's not. I mean, it's these doctors, solutions. these doctors were brought over by, right. And another episode. (laughs) Tinfoil hat (laughs) on everything's corrupt and we can trust nothing. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I I do want to, this is actually, so some, this drug push section that we're talking about, like I, I actually got this from Vice. Huh. Vice. Vice, who was funded by George Soros and. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm serious. Vice. But this is the thing that they, this is one of the things they wrote and this is really interesting. Uh, I'm just going to read it. Uh, So most striking is the fact that antidepressants are being prescribed even to people who don't meet the official psychiatric criteria for depression. When John Hopkins researchers looked at symptoms in patients on the drugs who had been diagnosed with depression in the prior year, they found that 62% didn't reach the standards laid out in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorder, which is, as we talked about, the industry Bible, the DSM. Yeah. Um... Uh, that should concern us all. No, but but no one should be shocked about it. I mean, I I tried to go go on. I went to a doctor and said I was depressed, and it was five minutes later. Like, here are the drugs. Yeah, like no one should be surprised about that. No, and actually, Candace Owens said she was really sad in her university years because she and someone had broken up, and she went to the doctor because her friend told her, and the doctor was like, "You're depressed," and she's like, "No, I just <laughs> sad right now." Like, it's like not forever. It's just sad about Billy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she would never date a guy named Billy. No, I mean, if you think, if you consider the amount of time a doctor is supposed to spend with each patient, like 15, 10 minutes, whatever it is, like they, they want you out. They don't actually want to get to the root of your problem. They want a, a Band-Aid solution, which is to prescribe the medication. Totally. And I, it's interesting though, because like experts always talk about how lifestyle approaches can help you, you know, they can help you work through some of these depressive symptoms. And a lot of that is like natural stuff, like exercise, vitamin D, eating well, you know, not drinking too much, like yeah. getting sufficient sleep, stuff like that. But it's just not talked about enough and I just don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, am I missing something? 
No, like... It's ridiculous. It is. But I read this interesting um, article in Esquire magazine. It's from 2014, and it says... Um, it's The article's called The Drugging of the American Boy, and it talks about... Um, the over and misdiagnosing of mostly mostly boys for various reasons, like like young boys. Yeah, yeah, young boys in schools, and I know we all know about this. Like boys have a lot of more energy, generally speaking, than girls. And in their- when you take away sports and more activities, like they just don't perform as well as girls, which right. is um, the how how the school system is um, set out. It's like really ha- sexist. I'm just kidding. it is. Kind of is, in a way. (laughs) But they say in this article, by the time they reach high school, 20%, so one in five, am I doing the math right? Yep. Um, 20% of boys will be misdiagnosed with ADHD and be prescribed strong stimulants like Ritalin, Adderall, and and they have new drugs with newer, fancier, less uh, stigmatized names or whatever. Sure. Um, marijuana just kidding but these drugs are in the same class of drugs as cocaine and meth think about that but young boys but where do parents come into this that's crazy like you're like you're medicating your kid okay sure you're thinking you're helping them that's fine but forever like your kid's just gonna be on this like crazy drug for the rest of its life I say it because I'm so pro <laughs> it's they them sorry um but you know what i mean like yeah like why why are parents so blindly trusting our medical institutions like you're a parent like yeah what do you think about that well i i you know my thoughts like i think it's it's obviously like does, does the government and the medical like does does the medical institution and like whatever, do they want our kids to just be drugged up? Yes. But what, why? This is so conspiracy. It's not so- conspiracy. They want, they want people on drugs. They want lifelong customers. There you go. That's what it is. Of course. They're going to, they want people who they can profit off of for life. Yes, of course. That's what it is. It's a beautiful point. We can move on. Yes. Um, Okay, let's talk about ourselves. What's your experience with... So, no, like, we're, we don't get personal enough on the show, and you know what? If y'all want to just stop listening now, that's fine. Um, but you mentioned you went through a dark time. Yeah, well, here's the thing. This is why I'm so passionate about this topic and why I think that drugs may not necessarily be the right path and why talking about yourself so much is probably not the right path. Um, a couple years ago, I had severe, severe anxiety. I'm not talking about, I felt anxious. I like, it was like irrational fears of like, I won't get into too much detail, but it was just very, it controlled my life. It dictated my life. I, I like couldn't function properly. And I, I mean, I was, I played the game very well. Like I Mm -hmm. would go to work every day. I didn't let it like stop me there, but it, was a distraction all day, every yeah. day kind of thing. Um, and for me, like, I remember I went to go talk to someone about it because it was very, it did control my life a lot in a personal way. Like yeah. no one could see it from the outside, but, yeah. but it was super interesting. Cause this woman who I talked to didn't, she wasn't like, you need drugs for your anxiety. Yeah. She was like, no, you need practical solutions. Um, so I got this book from Indigo. <laughs> 
our sponsor. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice that I supported them. It was like 20 bucks. It was about cognitive behavioral therapy. It was like a workbook. Mm-hmm. Very simple. And um, it just helped me to rationalize my irrational fears. And, yeah. and, and not only that, to be honest with you, I know not everyone who listens to the show is um, Christian and that's fine. But for me, like prayer was really important. Like I just, every single day, like I would just give my fear to God and I've been able to recover from that. Not a hundred percent. Like there are still days, I'm not going to lie where it, Mm -hmm. where it springs up. But for me, like it just like approaching it from a healthier way, a Mm -hmm. more natural way really did work. And that's not to say that would work for everyone. I'm just saying like, we should talk about multiple approaches to curing and solving some of these issues, I guess. Yeah. Um, and also I like, this is why I've been pushing so hard on the talking about yourself thing. Like for me, if I dwelled on it too much, Mm -hmm. that made it worse. So if I, when I finally stopped and just started serving others, you know, I, I did some volunteering through church and stuff like that. And I just poured out for other people. It made it a lot more, it made it easier to live. Yeah. Like I was able to cope because I wasn't thinking about myself all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the best solutions for a lot of, a lot of problems people have in their life is, um, uh, having a purpose, right. And also the, one of the worst things you can do to a person. And one of the most harmful things is to to take away someone's purpose in life, which is what the the powers that be, they know what they're doing. Right. You take away people's, um, livelihood, their job. Right. Um, you're, you're, you're kneecapping them. Like you're just destroying them. And absolutely. But when, and on the flip side, look, when you are, um, really struggling and something happens to you, um, and you have, and can I talk about me for a second? Please. No. And I want to bring this to me, like my own struggle with, uh, mental illness. I had an eating disorder, a severe eating disorder for 12 years. It was debilitating. I didn't know how to eat around other people. Won't get into that anymore, but, um, I did get pregnant and I had to take care of somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have time to be focused on me and my issues. Right. I was forced to take care of something else. Right. And it went away, completely went away. Right. And there were other things I had, like I had a lot of support around me. Right. And therapy never helped. Yeah. I did a lot of that. Never helped. Interesting. Didn't help for me. It might help for other people, totally. but not, just not me. What totally. really helped was having someone else to care um, about. Thinking outside of yourself. Yes. Serving others. Yes. And yeah. yeah. And it can be a solution for all, not everything, obviously. But um, I think um, we, if you look at um, addicts or people who struggle... Um, there are specific examples I won't get into right now. Um, schizophrenia centers and stuff like that, like, mm. um, new, newer, um, I don't know the word, but they've had these trial like approaches, approaches, yeah. and they've proven very successful where, um, instead of drugging them, mm. 
you give them jobs if it's a like a halfway so stimulate them in other ways a sort of halfway house and right. you give them the option you, you can take your drugs as much as you want right um but also like let's try if we're living in this halfway house or center um everyone gets a job and right. you're responsible for this and it it's i'm oversimplifying it That's but fine. that kind of approach has had a lot of positive results and that also speaks to giving someone purpose because yeah. work is such something yes. that gives people so much purpose yes. right and covid yes. is the perfect example yes. of some like this covid pandemic has yeah. taken away so much purpose from people so it's it's no wonder we've seen this like uptick in mental health issues yeah. and crises um yeah. no that's that's super interesting and and they and i just want to reiterate they know what they were doing Oh, when they yeah. when they shut down the econ- economy, they were kneecapping everyone. They knew what it would do. Anyway. Oh well, and also let's just. I I'm sorry. This is a longer episode, but but to be on, like they kept the weed dispensaries and the LCBO open very conveniently. Yep. Let's yep. self medicate, folks. But just going back to what you said, though, it just speaks to how mental health is mm-hmm. a lot like physical health in that. It's not a one size fits all. Yeah. So by going to the doctor and getting drugs, sure, that might work for one other person. That's fine if that's your if that's your thing. Yeah. But it doesn't work for everyone. And yeah. doctors need to step it up and like understand that. Like we're all unique individuals who need to be treated uniquely. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end. Yeah. Thank you, Indigo, for sponsoring our show. Thank you, Indigo. <laughs> um, we are InfoHors. Um, thank you for sticking around. We know this is a controversial one, but... I hope we didn't come across as too big of assholes. Yeah, like we really do. Wherever you are in your journey, we respect you. And if you have any prayer requests for your mental health or physical health, like just send us a message on Instagram at Podcast, and we'd love to pray for you. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it is nice. We're nice. We're not just whores. <laughs> We're nice whores. <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. Okay. Bye. Bye.